from Thomas Edison State University. This is Edison Soundstage. Hello and welcome to the Thomas Edison Soundstage. We are talking to you today from the Public Service Leadership Studio. Today I have some fabulous guests from the New Jersey State Library. They're here to talk about a wonderful opportunity for the state of New Jersey the Fresh Start program that they rolled out a little over, a little under two years ago in talking to Peggy. Um, and maybe what we'll do now is we'll start with a little bit of introductions before we get too far into our conversation. Maybe Peggy, you could introduce yourself and maybe tell us a little bit about the Fresh Start program. Happy to. Sure. My name is Peggy Cadigan. I have the best job description and title in the world, Deputy State Librarian for Innovation at the New Jersey State Library, a proud affiliate of Thomas Edison State University. The Fresh Start program, we were really inspired by a librarian from Long Branch Public Library, Tanya Garcia. She's now the director there, but years ago, She's very open about this. She had family members who were coming home after having been in prison. And Tanya saw firsthand all the obstacles in their way to becoming contributing members of the community. They had trouble finding a place to live. They had a lot of difficulty finding a job. So Tanya started a program called Fresh Start where she would interview people one-on-one -on -one and she'd say, what skills have you learned when you were incarcerated? Do you have a driver's license? You know, help them create a very positive resume and then she would actually reach out to companies um, in the Long Branch area and say, would you give somebody a fresh start? Somebody who's come home from prison, would you give them a second chance? So she developed this program and we just thought it was terrific. She actually reached out to the state parole board and they started having monthly reentry meetings at the Long Branch Public Library. And Tanya proposed to them, she said, have you ever thought of making a library a reentry you know, area? And she said that the state parole board said, wow, nobody ever invites us you know, to come and have re-entry at their organization. We'd love to do it. So Tanya contacted me and she said, what do you think about this idea? And I said, I think it's fantastic and I think we should do it statewide. So we applied for a grant from the Institute of Museum and Library Services and we got the grant $628,774 over two years. I'll never forget that figure. Um, and with that, we were able to hire a project director, John Di Harrell, and two social workers, Nicole Warren and Sarah Swiderski. Um, and, and if you want, I can just defer to John Di, who can give an overview of, he really was instrumental in creating Fresh Start and what the vision of Fresh Start would be. And I also, John Di will not brag, but I will brag on his behalf. We had, I think it was 127 applicants for his position wow. uh, as project director, and he was head and shoulders above the rest. John, I, I think you're muted, but I'm going to turn it over to you. Yes, I um, am very pleased to be a part of um, First Start at your library. About maybe um, three, three and a half years ago, um, I received a email from Peggy, who I didn't know it at the time, and she invited me to uh, come over to New Jersey. Uh, to discuss reentry uh, due to the work that I was doing in Philadelphia. And we had a day long discussion with um, Tanya Garcia and um, David Perez, and they really presented what they wanted to do. And they basically asked me if you could create a reentry program, what would it look like? And as a um, formerly incarcerated leader, I often get those sort of requests to um, 
to use my lived experience and my background, you know, to brainstorm as to what could be done better. And often you do this and then the time goes by and you never hear anything else, you know, and you do it because it's uh, for the good of the cause and the movement. But it was especially gratifying to about a year later um, to receive an email and then have a series of phone calls where I was invited to um, interview for the position of program manager. And I was able to, <laughs> to achieve the position. And that's what started uh, Fresh Start. And I really think that the combination of a program manager who has lived experience, I've actually done um, 25 years in um, federal prison. And throughout that time and prior to that, I've had association with a lot of folks in our community who are incarcerated and formerly incarcerated to bring that experience to the program in conjunction with trained social workers and a dedicated administrative staff, I think has made the Star program unique among any other reentry programs. Well, I just appreciate your time, both of you, you know, here today, um, and maybe Nicole and Sarah, uh, in your role as social workers with this program, maybe you could share a little bit, I don't know who wants to go first in terms of how you came here and, and your participation in the program. Sarah, you want to go first? I'm picking on you. <laughs> sure, no problem. Um, so I had previously worked in the reentry field, I guess you would say. And um, <clears throat> when I worked in there, we had limited resources. So a lot of times we would send our clients to the library to look for jobs or do their resumes. And they would always tell me how helpful the librarians were. So when I was looking for a job, I saw this and I was, and it just made so much sense to me because I had already been doing it and didn't realize it wasn't a thing. So by putting social workers in the library, it kind of helps support the library staff. And it just, it makes, it's such a natural fit that people who are returning in the community will go to the library to get those resources. So that's where I kind of stepped in. Organically, you were already yeah. doing, and then <laughs> yeah, you had this wonderful <laughs> program that had the funding to make it a real thing. Great, yep. Nicole? Um, so before coming to Fresh Start, I actually worked for Girl Scouts, very right? different population, but one of the programs that I managed was called Girl Scouts Beyond Bars, which um, girls who had a mother incarcerated here in New Jersey had the opportunity to go up to the prison and have visits with their, their mother. And then I also had the opportunity to meet with the moms before the visit and do personal development activities and also plan for the activities they were gonna do with her daughters. So that was the first time really that I, you know, kind of had an introduction to life inside the prison. And a couple of the moms uh, transitioned home during the time that they were part of the troop. So I also started to learn about what it was like to transition home and how difficult that was and how easy it could be to end up back in prison if you did not have the right support and the uh, right resources. So I happened upon Fresh Start in that time and I was like, oh, this is perfect um, because I really had wished that I could do more for the families that I was working with. And one of the communities that we serve is um, Newark, which is where a lot of my, my mothers were from. So I thought this was perfect. Well, Nicole, I think you, you know, 
hit on something, the recidivism rate um, for incarcerated folks across the entire country is, is dire. Um, and the limited contact I've had, I had done some work in, my, in a graduate program, you know, indicates if you come out of being incarcerated into the community and you have no skills, you have no documents, how can you succeed? And you know, if you don't have any resources and you don't have access to resources. So this kind of meets things right in place. Right. And um, can I just mention something I was remiss absolutely. that I, I did not mention our partners because without our partners, this would not be this the success that it is. Our state, the state parole board uh, with Sherry Sandler and David Wolfsgruber have been outstanding partners. Also the Department of Labor and Workforce Development because they have, they constantly send job openings to the three, you know, the three participants in the uh, John Dye, Sarah and Nicole. They send job openings every day that are geared towards people who have been in prison. So they've been very supportive. So we're able to refer clients to them if needed. Uh, and again, Long Branch is a partner, but I just wanted, and Thomas Edison, State University, I want to give a shout out because they also came as a partner and they offered uh, to pay for the TSEP test oh, for, for some of our returning citizens. So I wanted to give a big thank you to Dr. Hancock and Thomas Edison for joining us. Thanks. I, you know, it's interesting because I have a list of all the, the partners here too. And I was thinking, wow, this is really awesome. You're kind of entrenched with the folks who can make things happen and change. I noticed on here, the Free Library of Philadelphia. Are you working yes. with them as well? Yeah. Yes, we are. Um, they came onto the grant in, in the uh, second year of the grant. And unfortunately, uh, due to the, uh, the pandemic, um, they haven't been able to participate as fully as they would have liked. But as we go into the second phase of the grant, which we um, feel confident that you're just going to secure, I know it. <laughs> Um, they will definitely be more of a, a participating partner. And we are doing work in Philadelphia in conjunction with them because there are a lot of formerly incarcerated persons who need our services. So you, you um, John Dye, you hit on something I know we wanted to talk about when the preparation for the grant and when the monies came in, it was with um, intentionality of working with folks face-to-face -face and having foot traffic and, all, and then COVID hit. So that kind of changed everything. And maybe y'all could share a little bit with me about how the original envisioned services were going to be shared and utilized and the changes you had to make. And in terms of COVID, did that limit your access? Were you less or more effective? What were the hurdles? Yeah. Well, I think that it, it definitely limited our access because um, many of the libraries had to close down. And uh, when they did reopen, it was with restricted hours so that they could come in and and clean in between shifts and a lot of folks in the public you know were um understandably not really um they were quarantining they weren't really going out in in public to a great extent in the beginning so we really had to change and reflect on how we could one get our message out and continue our services uh, during COVID. And I think we did a wonderful job. I'd like to ask one of the um, uh, social workers to, to speak to that. Yep, sure, I can do that. So 
just to give you a sense of so the primary service that we offer i would say is case management and the library was supposed to be the central location to give those social services but we've been able to i think offer pretty much the same level of service just through other methods so we all ended up getting cell phones um i find a lot of the time we are getting um text messages a lot from clients we're doing phone calls we're available via Zoom as well if people would like to meet that way. Um, in some cases, we are able to meet in person socially distanced, but I'd say primarily things are happening through email um, and telephone. Not many people take advantage of the Zoom option, but it's available. So we're still able to take that time to have that extended conversation with them to kind of get a sense of who they are, um, you know, their criminal history and some of their goals for the future, and then connect them with services. Uh, we did find early on it was a little difficult just as some of the libraries were closed. Some of the social service agencies that we needed to partner with were also closed or had uh, restrictions to their staff or limited hours. So one of the things that we did was do a lot of research in the communities where our locations are to find out who was open and available to to give services. And that's information that we shared with our library partners. Um, trying to think sorry if I forget anything please do um, <laughs> jump in um, the other thing that we offered was uh, preparation for the high school equivalency exam uh -huh. and that is all web-based the program that we have we use a software called Agstech so it was available in the libraries but if somebody had internet access and a tablet or a computer or even a cell phone they were able to still access that um, that program and then there were limitations to what sites were available for people to actually take the test. So we had to, you know, dig around a little bit and find out who was still open and available. Um, but something we're really excited about that we worked on that the pandemic kind of necessitated was our presence online. So Tanya Garcia actually created this amazing template for a website for us. So our Fresh Start at Your Library website was launched and it has resources of all sorts that a formerly incarcerated person would need. We have resources on there for um, their children, for their family members, and each of our participating libraries also has a tab on the website that they have access to to update with information that's specific to their community. Um, which would include um, our resource guides. Sarah, do you want to talk about the resource guides? That's something we're also very proud of. Sure, no problem. So um, before the pandemic, we were already starting to work on these. But after the pandemic hit, we we're really able to focus and do like a deep dive into each of the communities um, to figure out what kind of resources are available for our clients. Um, so it would be things like where to get birth certificate, ID, driver's license, um, employment services, education services, mental health, addiction services, anything um, we feel like that they would need so we put it all together and for each library that we're working in, um, we have it available in hard copy so we can hand it to them if they need it or um, it's also available online, which is it's also like a living document as well we can update it if we if we find out about something we didn't know about or you know a different service that we think they might need we can continuously 
update the resource guides online. So yeah. Um, and Peggy had mentioned our partnership with the Department of Labor. Um, we were still throughout the pandemic receiving those job postings. So we were able to still help our clients find um, employment, uh, which is usually one of the main things that people are coming to us for is employment and housing. And I also mentioned our uh, re-entry resource fairs. So uh, originally these were supposed to be in-person at the libraries. We would have different agencies from the community come in, they'd be available there for say a two hour block and people would be able to come into the library and ask questions specific to their situation and just get information about that agency. So that was something that was important for us to still try and, and keep as part of the program. So we were able to have it virtually via Zoom. So the same agencies we would have invited in person were then invited to a, a Zoom call and they were able to come and share information about their agency. And then clients were able to, you know, in the chat, or verbally ask their questions and we had breakout rooms available if they had something a little bit more personal that they wanted to um, discuss. And then we were able to take clips of each of those agencies that came and post them on the website along with any um, supporting information they meet, may need to um, access that resource. So we're excited to be able to do that. And we'll be having, we've had, Two, we've had one for Monmouth County and we've had one for Cumberland County, but by the end of the term of the grant, we will have had one for, for each of our, our sites. So, so um, go ahead, John Day. And as the, um, the COVID pandemic continues and it alters in shape and in, in the functioning, what we're finding is there is a unique opportunity for formerly incarcerated persons in the labor market. Um, due to the unemployment payments, many businesses are um, finding that they just don't have enough workers. And we just came off a Zoom call this week with, um, with employers and community organizations who are pushing for formerly incarcerated people to fill this niche. In our Atlantic City um, uh, counties, the, um, the casinos are really pushing. But across the state and actually across the country, job numbers are down. And many employees are saying that they simply cannot find workers. And this is an opportunity for formerly incarcerated people who are usually at the back of the line to move to the front of the line. And I really cannot um, say enough about the New Jersey um, workforce, our partners. They have been tremendous in locating jobs across the state of New Jersey and giving us access so that we can pinpoint jobs in any county in New Jersey and also Philadelphia County, the Philadelphia Bucks, Montgomery and, and Delaware counties, because the formerly incarcerated people do tend to move around um, in terms of opportunities. And I think that as we move forward and the um, more folks are vaccinated and more opportunities open up, formerly incarcerated folks will be in the forefront and the fresh start model of trying to access whatever opportunity is necessary will really take hold. From the very beginning, we viewed the fresh start as a model 
for libraries across the country. And the, the concept of embedding social workers in libraries is, is relatively new. And what we're hoping is that at some point in time, perhaps every library in America will have a social worker that not only helps formerly incarcerated people, but helps community members to move their lives forward. It's a novel and unique concept and libraries have always been in the forefront of innovative thinking. And this is an idea whose time has really come. And I can I, imagine I this as a, as a model going forward. Um, I, I, I can't imagine, you know, these are communal hubs, right? The libraries are a communal hub and resource and of late and across time, um, they were not being funded in the way, supported in the way that they should have been. And I think as you make this resource, this communal hub resource, a clear and apparent gem, um, hopefully that will also help with the status of libraries across the, the state, but also the country. Peggy, I- Yes, we're, we're, libraries are definitely community anchors. And I did want to commend the libraries that came on board for the Fresh Start program. And those are the libraries of Patterson, Newark, Trenton, Long Branch, Bridgeton and Cumberland County and Atlantic City. And when we get our next grant, which we'll find out in July if we've been awarded, we're, we're thinking positively, we will be joined by uh, Camden County Library will come on board and uh, the Library of Washington, DC. Wow. So that, as John and I mentioned, this is our way to we really we're developing a toolkit so that any library anywhere can see that in New Jersey we've done this program in rural communities like Cumberland County or in urban areas like Newark. And I just wanted to turn to John Nye because as a librarian, it does my heart good when he talks about why having fresh start at your library works based on the experiences of incarcerated individuals. So let me first say that in every prison that I've ever been in, I've been in quite a few, and in prisons in general, um, libraries are a special place. Um, they're a place where folks go to not only get information, to, to find books you know, that you read for, for recreation, but it's a place where folks go who desire a change. They want to uh, take in knowledge, they want to, to change their life. They're often seeing that their former life has not worked, so they need to do something different. It's also a, a safe space. I've served time in some of the highest level penitentiaries in the uh, federal system, and I've witnessed uh, countless um, instances of, of mayhem and murder in, in the cell blocks, in the kitchens, in, in um, the rec yard. I've never seen a violent act in the library. Library is really a safe space. It's, it's almost a neutral territory. Um, no matter if you're in a gang or a set, or if you're having any kind of beef, it doesn't transition to the library. So for formerly incarcerated persons, a library is a place that they know and they trust, and they've had good experiences in, even in the midst of incarceration. So it's a natural place for the formerly incarcerated people to come to jumpstart their life, to get a fresh start in life, and to move forward. Can I ask, um, so you, you mentioned that, you know, the library is there in the, in the prison, is there in the community, it's a natural transition. Who drives the clients to your program? Is it something that starts in the libraries in the prison or how do folks know to come to you as the resource y'all are? 
So I think um, through various ways, our our um, the partners, the uh, New Jersey Pro Board, um, definitely advertise our our presence, and we send you know they send literature. Um, also, we've had literature that that goes directly to the prisons, so those who are leaving know about us. Uh, word of mouth is is always great, you know, because when you help somebody and have a good experience, you know, they will tend to um, talk to others and the the um not only is the prison grapevine um extremely <laughs> fast in, in communicating but it's the same on the street because um we are a formerly incarcerated uh, community we have a culture we have a, a a a lifestyle a philosophy and that doesn't end when we leave the the, the prison walls and the men and women whom we um, interact with and we often adopt as um, a part of our inside family remain that on the outside. So if um, someone who uh, I know and trust, you know, you know, saying I was an ordinary um, former incarcerated person who wasn't affiliated with the library, they say, listen, um, I had a great uh, experience last month at the, the um, Trenton Public Library. They were giving away polo shirts and, and, <laughs> and Ralph Lauren pants. You know, where did he do that at? You know? <laughs> The word spreads, and and folks are like, well, what else do they do besides give away clothes? Well, I got a job through them, you know. So I think that one, your work will speak for itself, and the fact that it's in a place that is a neutral, and a place like Trenton, where there's a lot of of um, violence and 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 set activity, and there are places where you know folks don't want to go because of that. Once again, the library is a neutral place. So I think that that we have a unique opportunity to to push that, not just in New Jersey, but in many other places, because the problems that are encountered by formerly incarcerated people are universal and they are nationwide. We need living wage employment. We need safe housing. We need to access the resources that are in the community. And many times there are resources there and they just aren't known. I really like to commend um, both our social workers, uh, Nicole and Sarah, for the amazing resource guides that they've put together for every county in which we have a participating library. And as the pandemic continued and we began to get calls from other counties, they would look up resources in those areas. And oftentimes folks just don't know. Um, for example, in uh, Cumberland County, we go to their reentry uh, coalition, and one of the organizations has a twenty-eight thousand dollars that they're dispensing for rent subsidies. Oh. So, so for the formerly incarcerated folks in that county, they can get first, last month's rent and the security when they find an apartment, and that's immense for a person, you know, coming out of prison. But if you don't know about it, you can't access it. And the library has always been a, a, a special place for resources and information. And I wanted to mention one more thing, sorry. Um, because we hope to meet most of the people in the library and libraries closed, we came up with what we thought was a pretty innovative way to advertise our program. We have billboards now and we got bus wraps. So there's wraps on the backs of buses and cards inside the buses and both have a toll-free number that lead to John Dye's cell phone. 
So John oh. Sarah or Nicole, you might want to talk about that and how it's that's we've seen an uptick now in intakes, I think, since we did that advertising. And when we first started that, um, we brainstormed, you know, what would be the message that we want to put out? Because, you know, a billboard is is immediate, you know, so and when you ride in a car, you only see it for a second. So we wanted you know, a message that really hit. And so our message is home from prison. We can help. And as as um, Peggy says, when you call that toll free number, it, um, it comes to my first start cell phone. And I've gotten an amazing array of different um, reactions to that, you know, like, like, what do you folks actually do? Or, or um, my, oftentimes it's um, my boyfriend or my husband or my son or my cousin is, is um, coming home from prison you know, next month or next year, you know, how can you help him? You know, or it's a person that says, um, I was walking past the train station and I saw your billboard. You know, I just came home, you know, I need help. I mean, the folks call and say, uh, I'm homeless um, or, or I have until next Friday to find a place, you know, and that's where the resource guides and you know, having, you know, social workers who will, will pick the phone up and look for rooming houses and then send that person to listen and say, you know, and some folks are like, and I don't want to live here, here, and here, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's being able to speak to individual needs. I think that for many formerly incarcerated people, when they come home and they're searching for help, they're running into reentry organizations that are kind of a cookie cutter in their concept, you know, thinking that that folks need this and, and then this, but that's not how it is. Every person is a unique individual. And although some of the challenges may be similar, their circumstance, their situation, their lifestyle, their culture, everything's different. So to have a organization that first listens. We do our intake, we ask questions, and we listen to what a person is saying. And by the time the intake is over, we have a general idea of how we can move them forward and also how we can help them to construct a life plan. Sadly, many of the reasons that we are fully incarcerated, you know, is because our lifestyle in the past was immediate gratification and a lack of short-term and long-term plan. So we try to help people to see that, well, on our intake, we say, what are your short-term goals and your long-term goals? And a lot of folks just haven't had that experience of really you know, thinking that far in advance. And then once you state what your short-term goals are, and that's usually you know, immediate things helping you move forward, but the long-term goals are where we're talking about, where do you wanna be in five years? You know, you know, where do you want to be in 10 years? What can you do so you never go back to prison? One of my main selling points is you never want to eat in the chow hall, exercise in an exercise yard, um, have to see your family behind glass or in, in a visiting room. And if that's your viewpoint, if you never want to go back to prison, what are the things that are necessary to move yourself forward? Maintain employment building credit, perhaps entrepreneurship. Many fully incarcerated people were entrepreneurs. Yes, on the wrong side of the street, but the same skills, the same life skills that they brought to selling drugs or or, or planning robberies or, you know, um, robbing banks, whatever it is, 
you can bring those same skill sets to legitimate entrepreneurial opportunities. And we show them how to do it. So I, I had another question, you know, you, um, Nicole, you had mentioned working with incarcerated women in terms of mothers. Um, John died, the examples you just used were all male um, characters. What is the gender mix of the folks that you've been able to help? Mostly men, mostly women, what's the ratio? And are there different needs and concerns for those populations? Yes, great segue. Yes, it's um, it's primarily been um, men, primarily been men, definitely. Um, but we definitely recognize that there is a need for special services for women. And that's something we gave a lot of thought to. So in the second round that we applied to, it's actually going to focus on women women's services because they do have needs that are different. Um, and Sarah can talk a little bit about what we had in mind for round two. Oh, yeah, no problem. So um, we noticed that there are limited options for programs specifically geared towards women. They're obviously more than welcome in our program and many others, but um, a, there's not, there's a lot that lack just recognizing the difference between uh, challenges that men and women face coming home. Um, so many women we know have experienced trauma before, after, and during incarceration. Um, and what we want to focus on is ex like um, addressing that trauma to help them focus on their goals. Because a lot of times if that trauma isn't addressed, those goals can go by the wayside because they're, you know, still dealing with this trauma that they've been through. So what we were want to do is um, offer group sessions that me and Nicole will start off running um, and then also have peer-led sessions that will focus on trauma. So we found an evidence-based curriculum that helps with that, um, that we're gonna follow and offer to these women. Um, obviously we're still gonna offer our case management, um, but in addition to that, we wanna partner with an entrepreneurship program um, to help them, these women, if they would like to start their own businesses, um, do that. And also to peer specialist training, um, being able to pay for them to become certified peer specialists in order to continue and get that job, if that's what their goals are. And uh -huh. if, but it's really just helping them reach their goals. So we're really, fingers crossed that we get the, the grant because I think it's a really big need and um, would be great if we could have those resources for women. Um, we're getting a little closer to wrapping up. So if there's something special that you wanna share, uh, that's great as well. Um, and if not, I'm just wondering if, if any of you have a, an impact, an outcome that you see that your program has provided. Um, if there's a particular uh, client that you've worked with, or there's a set of numbers where you've really turned around employment figures, is there something, some impact, some outcome that you'd like to share with us before we close? Well, I think that um, in particular in the, um, we spoke earlier about the impact that we're having in the um, city of Philadelphia because we move forward and we um, push that work even though the, the Philadelphia City Library um, had been able to, to fully open. And we recently um, were able to feature um, two of the clients, 
from that program, um, Dennis and Lee Horton, um, NPR uh, actually did a, a, uh, a segment on the Press Auditor Library, and that was national attention. And it was tremendous because um, having the opportunity to have our program showcased on a national level is immense. And it, it really points to the fact that what we were saying in the beginning, that this could be a national model um, is really has, has some merit. And these, um, these two particular brothers, um, Dennis and Lee Horton, um, we asked them to be interviewed. And they were lifers whose, um, whose sentence was committed and they've only been home for about two months and they have um, uh, been able to reunite with the family, um, uh, find jobs, purchase vehicles. And there are a, a well, one purchased a vehicle and the other rehabilitated a, a older family vehicle. But the point is they have the driver's license, they have jobs, they are, are reunite with their families. And that's a model of what we're trying to, to create. Now, everyone may not have a, as a spectacular a success as they did, but one of the reasons was, was because they really worked on their freedom prior to coming home. And that's something that we really preach. And we have been creating videos, you know, that can be seen, we're working on having our videos sent into the prisons so that folks are preparing for freedom in advance. That's so important. Good preparation, having a vision, having a life plan. And then when you come home, working in conjunctions with not only organizations like a Fresh Start, but there's a lot of organizations across the state that can be accessed. So getting our clients resources, helping them to move their vision forward and just providing the support necessary to maintain the freedom. We talk about a fresh start. We are talking about a new way of life, letting go of the old things that we used to do, moving into a area of responsibility so that you can be a contributing member of society and also fulfill all the promises that you made to your family who supported you during your incarceration, your parents who love you, your, your siblings, your wife or husband, and especially your children who need you out there in the world. And that's where First Start is really important. The impact we're gonna have on families in New Jersey and across the country as this idea really takes hold creating a legacy that going forward will be so much more positive and far reaching within themselves, but also their families. That's pretty profound. Right. Yeah. Nicole, Sarah, Peggy, anything else? No, I think John I did a, a wonderful job of, of summing that up. Yeah, we share that sentiment, definitely. Yep. Mm -hmm. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I so appreciate your time. Um, I hope that you have continued success um burgeoning impact and that we're talking about this seven and eight years down the road <laughs> while it is you know the charter um model that is taken everywhere else throughout the country because i think um 
it's a well thought plan. And I think taking what was organic, using a library that is a community hub as a resource for reentry and for success and growth is fabulous. Thank you again for your time.